Good morning, everybody. It's so good to have you with us today, whether you're from Harvest or not, whether you're in Harare or not, or even whether you're a, a believer or not. We're just grateful to have you with us, and I'm very excited about what the Lord's going to do with us today. I trust that He will reveal Himself to us in a very special way, and in a way that will encourage and challenge you. Um, we've been in lockdown here in Zimbabwe for five weeks. We're just coming to the end of the fifth week of lockdown. And we're expecting the government to lift the lockdown uh, this, this, this week. Uh, and I think the question that is foremost in everybody's mind is uh, how on earth are we going to get back on our feet? Uh, for example, if you have a, a business and for the last five weeks you haven't produced anything, you haven't earned any income, but you've still been paying out expenses for overheads, how are you going to get back on your feet? And there's no doubt that we are living in very turbulent and difficult times. And in times like these, our foundations are shaken, as we've said before. And we need to make sure that we put our feet on a firm foundation. And so what I'd like to do now is to go back to an account from the Old Testament uh, this was at a time when the Jewish people had divided into two different kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom called Israel with its capital in Samaria. And then there was the southern kingdom called Judah with its capital in Jerusalem. And they were going through some very turbulent times. And a young man in his late 20s became king. His name was Hezekiah. And I'd like to extract three principles from his life because he lived in difficult times when the foundations were being shaken. And I believe that these principles will be of benefit to us. So please would you turn um, to 2 Chronicles chapter 28. 2 Chronicles chapter 28. And I'm going to extract three principles out of this. The first one is that Hezekiah opened the doors and kept them open. And you'll, it will become apparent what I mean by that. Secondly, he did what he could. And then thirdly, he let God do the rest. So he opened the doors and he kept them open. He did what he could and he let God do the rest. So let's have a look at the setting of when Hezekiah came to the throne. His father was not a godly man. In fact, far from it. In 2 Chronicles 28 verse 3, we read that Ahaz burnt sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and sacrificed his children in the fire, engaging in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. And the historians tell us that he was a worshipper of the god Molech, a demon god, and this demon required him to burn his children alive. So in all probability, Hezekiah's brothers and sisters had been burnt alive for the god Molech, which is an awful thing to consider. Imagine growing up in times like that. And because King Ahaz was setting this sort of an example and was pushing this sort of an agenda in Israel, putting his trust in foreign gods, people were doing it as well. And I'm sure it led to so much misery in the country. But of course, there were also consequences for this idolatry. God brings consequences, and we've talked a few weeks ago about how He shakes our foundations because He wants us to make sure that we build on a foundation that cannot be shaken. And of course, the people of Israel were building on the wrong foundation. Imagine burning your children. 
And uh, it's the same today. Many people are building their lives on the wrong foundation. We may not have got to those deplorable deaths, but nevertheless, people are trusting in the wrong things. And so God brings consequences in order to shake our foundations so that he can draw us back into relationship with himself. It's, it's tough, but it is a severe mercy, as we've said. So we read in verse 5 that the Arameans invaded Judah and conquered them. And then in verse 6, we see that a civil war grew up between Israel uh, in the northern kingdom and Judah in the southern kingdom. And it was an awful war, as all civil wars are, brother against brother, relative against relative. And the, the war came to a head when 120,000 soldiers from Judah were slaughtered by their brothers from the northern kingdom. Just a, 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 an awful day when there was just complete bloodlust. And in fact, God said to the northern kingdom, I gave them into your hands, but you never, never should have done this. And also on the same day, 200,000 captives were taken up to the northern kingdom. This is women and children. And God persuaded them to send the captives back. And one of the details that gets disclosed is that some of those captives, or many of them, didn't even have clothes on their bodies. They had to be clothed before they were sent back. So just an awful, horrible, turbulent time in the kingdom of Judah. And then, as if that wasn't enough, Ahaz still didn't come back to God. He had trouble with the Edomites. Then he had trouble with the Philistines. And then lastly, there was a superpower in the ascendancy at the time called Assyria. And he started to have trouble with the Assyrians. The Assyrians were starting to, to move towards um, Judah. They were coming. They were taking over one kingdom after another. But in verses 24 and 25, Let's just have a look at how Ahaz responded to all of this shaking. Ahaz gathered together the furnishings from the temple of God and cut them in pieces. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple and set up altars at every street corner in Jerusalem. In every town in Judah, he built high places to burn sacrifices to other gods and aroused the anger of the Lord the God of his ancestors. And of course, God was angry, not so much be because he wanted to punish, but because he could just see that people were rebelling against him and were making lives hugely miserable for themselves and everybody else and no longer showing the glory of God to the other nations. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple. And of course, that is symbolic of what can happen in our own lives. God's presence was in the temple. And so Ahaz said, I no longer want to be in your presence. I don't want your presence to come out and I don't want to go into your presence. And unfortunately, that's what many Zimbabweans, that's what many people in the world have done. It may not have been an active rebellion, but they live without reference to God. They ignore God. And as a result, the doors are closed. There is no communion and fellowship between them and God. And in Zimbabwe, people have closed the doors and they've turned, for example, to the spirits of their ancestors. And they've said, let's rather turn to the spirits as mediators with God. If we want to get rain, let's pray to the spirits. Let's sacrifice to the spirits. If we want to get good crops, let's go to them. Um, 
business people, people who've come into their into wealth, have idolized the US dollar. They've turned to the to the US dollar as their source of strength and their source of help. And we've lived in rebellion against God. Meanwhile, the northern kingdom of Israel had fallen to Assyria. And many of its people, in fact most of them, were taken into captivity for the very reason that they, like Ahaz, had turned their backs on God. They'd also closed the doors, in a sense, to the temple, repeatedly broken the covenant. And God had told them over and over again, the Assyrians are coming, this is what's going to happen unless you turn back to me. Why wouldn't you want to turn back to me? You were created to be in relationship with me. Please come back so that this doesn't have to happen. But it did happen. And now the southern kingdom was exposed to the same threat. The Assyrians were coming. They were knocking on the doors. And it was at this time that Hezekiah came to the throne. Troubled times, foundations being shaken. But what was the very first thing that Hezekiah did? And the person who wrote this account was at great pains to show us that it was the first thing. Just have a look at 2 Chronicles 29 verse 3. It says, In the first month of the first year of his reign, right at the beginning, this was the first thing on his to-do list, you would have thought that maybe the top of his to-do list would have been sort out the Assyrian threat, try and figure out what to do. And when we look at a person's to-do list, we can see what they value and what's important because that comes at the top. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened exactly the opposite to his father. He opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and he repaired them. Folks, there are many things that you cannot control in troubled times, but you can control the way you relate to God. This is something that is entirely within your control. Either you can allow troubled times to drive a wedge between you and God, or you can determine to hold on to Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in Hezekiah's life, relationship with God came first. And you know, he didn't stop at the doors of the temple. He did three things. First of all, he brought the priests and the Levites and he said to them, you can read of it, read it in verse 5, 29 verse 5. He says, listen to me, Levites. Now remember, these are the men who have been set aside by God to mediate between the people and God. But they had to do it in a certain way. They had to be consecrated. They had to be ceremonially clean. They had to live in a certain way. And so he said to them, consecrate yourselves now. And then consecrate the temple itself, the place where we worship God, the God of your ancestors. Remove all of the defilement from the sanctuary. And so the priests got to work. And we're told in verse 17 that they completed the consecration and preparation of the temple in a record 16 days. They did it wholeheartedly and as a matter of extreme urgency. But Hezekiah didn't stop there. Secondly, he encouraged the people to start offering sacrifices again. And you know, they used no half measures. If you look at verse 36, you'll see that the animals consecrated as sacrifices amounted to 600 bulls. 600 bulls. I mean, it just beggars the imagination. I can't imagine that amount of livestock. But not only that, 3,000 sheep 
and goats. But Hezekiah didn't stop there. He didn't stop with opening the doors, consecrating the temple, consecrating the priests, getting the people to start offering sacrifices again. In chapter 30, it records how he organized for the Passover to be celebrated. And he invited the northern kingdom to join in. And in the process of doing that, he personally provided a thousand bulls and 7,000 sheep and goats to be used as sacrifices. What is God saying to us through this? He's saying that you personally need to make sure that the doors are open so that you can enter into the presence of God and so that you can spend time with Him and live with Him. Be restored into a right relationship with Him, the way that God had originally created it to be. But what He's also challenging you to do is to create an environment, and we need to do this as a church at Harvest, to create an environment where other people can come and join us in the presence of God, spending time with God, being restored in their relationship with God. And that's what we need to be doing at this time in Zimbabwe. So Hezekiah opened the doors, he made it possible possible for other people to come, he invited other people to come. But was that enough? You know, putting yourself right with God is not so much a single event as an ongoing daily process. In chapter 31, we see Hezekiah organizing things so that the temple worship would continue on a daily basis. Let me read from verses 20 and 21. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, and just contrast this with his dad. Doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. In everything he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly, and so he prospered. Folks, walking with God is a daily process. Just have a look at verse 21 there. It's a daily process of service, serving God. It's a daily process of obedience to His will and to His commands. Why would we want to be obedient to, will, to His will and to His commands? Well, because He's our Creator. He gets to tell us how to do things because He knows what's good for us and what's best for us. So there's service. There's obedience to, to God's will and His commands. And, you know, even if we take a hit on earth out of obedience to God's will and commands, we know that we don't lose out because there is a resurrection. We get to spend an eternity with God. He will more than make up for any losses or hardship that we experience on this earth as a result of obedience to Him. So there's service, there's obedience, then he sought God. We need to be seeking God on a daily basis. And then lastly, he worked wholeheartedly. So remember those four things. Not only do we open the doors and enter in, but we also walk with God in a daily basis. I just wonder whether you have committed yourself recently to walking with God in that way on a daily basis. And if you haven't, and if you know that there's things that need to be put right, I would encourage you to do that, starting from today. So Hezekiah opened the doors, and he kept things right with God, and he invited other people to come 
and join him. What was the second thing that he did? Well, Hezekiah did what he could. Let's just return to the story of Hezekiah in chapter 32. There's a very interesting sentence. Have a look at there. Have a look at it there. Chapter 32, verse 1. It says, After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. Can you imagine what was going through Hezekiah's mind and his heart at that time? It's like, God, I've done all of these things to put things right with you, and yet you've still allowed Sennacherib to come and to lay siege to the capital city, your capital city, the place where your presence dwells. You know, he could have got angry at God, just as we sometimes get angry with God. We're walking in obedience to him, and sometimes he still allows our foundations to be shaken. Sometimes he still allows trial and hardship to come. We mustn't become angry. We mustn't become hopeless. We mustn't maybe come to the point where we think God no longer loves us or maybe he doesn't exist. Let's see what Hezekiah did in verse 2 of chapter 32. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to wage war against Jerusalem. Look at some of the things Hezekiah did. He consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city. And they helped him. They gathered a large number of people who blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. And then he worked hard, repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. He built another wall outside that one. And that wall, incidentally, still exists today. There's sections of it that you can see in the city of Jerusalem. And then he also reinforced the terraces of the city of David. He also made a large number of weapons and shields. Hezekiah started to do the things that he could do. Instead of getting bogged down in anger and instead of getting bogged down in fear and hopelessness, he tried to figure out, well, what could I do? What can I do? I'm working in partnership with God. He calls me to do some things. He does other things. So let me figure out what I can do. And in fact, we know that he actually did more than this because there's another account of this in two kings. Um, one of the things that he did, and this is fascinating, it's probably one of the most amazing engineering feats um, I've ever come across. There's a spring that, that springs up in the Kidron Valley where Jerusalem used to get its water supply. But of course, when the city was invaded, the invaders could cut off the spring and then they would have to rely on water stored in the city. So what Hezekiah did and his people, they blocked the, the spring, they covered it in such a way that it couldn't be excavated. And then they dug a tunnel which was 540 meters long through solid rock all the way to the Pool of Siloam within the city walls. And I've walked through that tunnel. It's the most amazing feat of engineering. It's two meters high. It's probably about this wide. It varies from place to place. Two different teams started the excavation from either end and they met in the, in the middle. Wasn't that amazing? So that's what they did. He also considered an alliance with the Egyptians. And so no matter how desperate your situation as you face a world after lockdown, there are going to be things that you can do. 
the first thing that you can do is get up on the morning after lockdown and spend some time with the Lord. I could tell you that much for free. But there's other things you can do. You can go to your factory and you can open up. This is a partnership with God. He wants you to do things and He will also do things. But always remember, always remember that this flows from being in right standing with God. Hezekiah knew that. He got things right with God first. Don't make the plans before you have established calms with God. Go to God first as a priority. Plan with God's help. Remember I mentioned just now that Hezekiah planned to form an alliance with the Egyptians and to rise up against the Assyrians? Well, Isaiah warned him against that. Hezekiah spent time praying with Isaiah and they tried to figure out, is this something that they should do? And Isaiah said, definitely not. He received a word from the Lord. And the way that he communicated was quite remarkable and alarming. He walked around Jerusalem naked without any clothes on. And then he said to the people, look at the way I am. You are going to look like this if you form an alliance with Egypt. You're going to be taken away into captivity naked and with your buttocks bared. I was going to say buttocks bored, <laughs> but with your buttocks bared. I just hope that God never calls me to do some sort of prophetic action like that. But nevertheless, Hezekiah recognized this is a partnership with God. There's things that he wants me to do, but let's figure out with God's help what those things are. Ah, so he opened the doors and he invited others in and he continued with a daily relationship with God. Then he did what he could. He entered into a partnership, if you like, with God and asked God, what can I do? What are the things that I can do? And then he also recognized what he couldn't do and what was beyond his control. Let's read verses 6 to 8 in chapter 32. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. These are wonderful words. Let's listen to them. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. Why? For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Maybe that's something that you should be reading to yourself on the morning when the lockdown lifts. What happened? The people gained confidence from what Hezekiah the king of Judah said. You see, Hezekiah did what he could, he could. He did set some plans in motion, but he didn't put his hope in the plans. We can see that from this prayer. He put his hope in the arm of the Lord. The arm of the Lord is not too short to be able to help us. Remember, he is eternal. He is infinite. He's unchangeable in his power and perfection, his goodness and glory, his wisdom, justice and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. And that's why we put our trust in him and not in our plans. Let's have a look at some applications then. So the first thing we do is we identify the things that we can control. Suppose that your goal 
is to keep things right with God every day by loving Him and others. Is that within your control? It is. And you must make it your priority because the Bible tells us to put this above all else. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these other things will be added to you. Praise God that the single thing, the most important thing in your life is entirely within your control. Now, in getting your business back on its feet, there are things that you can do. There are some things that are within your control, but you need to release to God the things that are not in your control. You must differentiate between what you can and what you can't do. If you don't do that, you're going to be in trouble because you'll be stepping across the line into God's side of the partnership, His responsibility. Folks, we can't take the place of God. We aren't God. We can't take over His responsibility. Let's not try and control things that we can't control. And this is exactly what Hezekiah did. I am not afraid or discouraged because of you. For there is a greater power with me than with you. You have only the arm of flesh, but I have the Lord to help me fight my battle. There's things that I can't do. There's things that I can't control. It seems like I'm in a weak position, but the Lord. And of course, the crunch came from Hezekiah, for Hezekiah when Sennacherib actually besieged Jerusalem. And he was encamped around Jerusalem and he sent a threatening and an uncompromising letter to Hezekiah, obviously wanting Hezekiah just to throw in the towel. And Hezekiah realized that he'd reached the end of himself. You know, he'd remained faithful to God. He'd done what he could, but now he had to leave God to do the rest. And maybe, maybe you're in the same place today. You realize that there are things that are beyond your control. Maybe write them down a bit like this letter and bring them to God. It's a scary place to be, but the arm of the Lord is not too short. God is with you. So this is what Hezekiah did. 2 Chronicles 32 verse 20. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. Father, this is too big for us. We just do not know what to do. We've come to the end of ourselves. We've come to that dividing line between what we can do and what you can do. And I love the way this is recorded in 2 Kings verse chapter 19. It says there in verse 14, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he read it. And then he went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. And then he prayed to the Lord. This is what you need to do about the things you can't control. Take them figuratively before the Lord and then pray. He says, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone fashioned from human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand, 
so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and he put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. And when the people got up the next morning, they were all dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. This deliverance was one of the countless interventions by God in order to pave the way for the deliverance. God delivered the tribe of Judah so that one day the lion of the tribe of Judah, that's Jesus, would come and deliver mankind from an eternal death. Folks, the one thing we need to hold on to is that in Zimbabwe, we, we, we're looking for a redeemer. We're looking for someone to bring redemption. We're looking for someone to save us. Isn't that right? And I'm reminded of the two disciples that were walking to the, on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus joined them. They didn't recognize him. And um, he said to them, guys, why are you looking so downcast? And it actually says there in the scripture, they both stopped. They were so shocked and surprised. They said, you know, haven't you heard what's happened? And then they said something that's so significant. They said, we thought that Jesus of Nazareth was going to be the redeemer of Israel, but now he's dead. <laughs> I don't know if you can see the irony in that. Now, the irony is that by coming and dying and being resurrected, he did become the redeemer of Israel. But you see, they were looking for a, an economic redemption. They were looking for a political redemption. But Jesus had brought a spiritual redemption. And in Zimbabwe, what we need is that spiritual revival, that spiritual deliverance that starts in every person's heart. And then God will decide whether there's going to be a political and an economic revival that flows from it. But what I can say is that things will change in this country if people are changed in their hearts. Because you will see different fruit on the tree. So many trials will come in the weeks ahead that we can't control. And as, as, as often as necessary, and I think probably every day in Zimbabwe, we should be saying this Hezekiah prayer. List the things that you can't control that, you that are bothering you, and then just lay that list before God. God is going to deliver you from many of those things. Many of them will prove to be empty threats. Some you may not be delivered from, but because of the ultimate deliverance, God will work them for your good and you will become more than conquerors. But like Hezekiah, you must maintain your end of the partnership by keeping things right with God. And if you're in partnership with God, He will work powerfully within you to make sure that you cross the finish line into eternal life. So just in closing, open the doors today. Keep them open on a daily basis. Invite other people in. Figure out what you can do and do it. And then let God do the rest. And I close with these words of Hezekiah. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for there is a greater power with us. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us fight our battles. Thanks be to God. He's such an amazing God. Shall we pray?
Father God, I'm sure that all of us are wanting to renew our commitment to you, are wanting to go deeper in our relationship with you, and we would like to commit to do that today. Help us also as we face so many challenges to know what it is that we can do. And in particular, Father, give us wisdom to differentiate between what you want us to do and what we need to leave you to do. Please guide us and help us in the days ahead. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much.